0: It's certainly good for us to have come together today. We do so because of a tradition. And sometimes we don't like to use the word tradition because we want to avoid man's traditions. But this is an apostolic tradition, a biblical tradition, and one that we do not take lightly to come together with our brethren and to remember the sacrifice of our savior and what our God has done for us and to worship him and to study together. And that's what we are here for today. I trust that's why you're here. And I trust that uh, you are here today because you've chosen to be here. No one drug you here or forced you here or bribed you to be here. You're here because you care about spiritual things. And I'm uh, pleased because of that. And we wanna do all that we can to help each other in this thing called life as we work our way to heaven. Because we believe that heaven is a real place and we believe that God is real and that our obedience to him is absolutely necessary. But it's also a privilege to serve him and it's a privilege to be with you this morning. Invite you to take your Bibles back to where our scripture reading was from, this time in the book of Proverbs 2, chapter six, where we're gonna read uh, a half a dozen verses or so in just a couple of moments in Solomon's great book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs that is, as always, like every other of the books of the Bible, a great place to study about God, his character, and about the kinds of people that we are to be. Jesus, of course, said in Matthew chapter 5 that we are to be lights in the world, and he spoke about in Matthew chapter 25 the importance of keeping our lamps trimmed, and so he uses that analogy that we sang about quite frequently to help us understand the importance of Influence. And I appreciate Carrie taking on the task of picking songs on a subject that may be a little bit difficult to pick songs about because when you think about the subject of social media, there wasn't social media in the first century. And so I appreciate the fact that he talked about magnifying our uh, God by the way that we live, that we think about keeping our lamps. Uh, governed in a way that we are always cautious about the way that we are influenced and the way that we influence the world. I really appreciated our brother, Josh Compton's prayer uh, Sunday or, or Wednesday evening, those of you that were present and uh, Josh is one of our newer members. And so invariably when someone that's newer uh, leads in prayer, uh, you you get adjusted to their their language and to their style and to their cadence. And he prayed that our young people not be influenced by their post on social media or by the image that is reflected in the media world but rather to be reflective of Jesus the Christ. And I appreciated that. And he did not know what I was preaching about. And I didn't know what he was going to pray about, but it worked out together quite well. Let me say one thing at the outset that some of you, uh, because you are not social media users, uh, may say, well, this doesn't apply to me. Well, as we'll say in just a moment, the vast Uh, majority of Americans are engaged in some sort of social media presence and if you're not that's not a bad thing it could be a good thing depending on the way you look at it and let me also say that uh, I do use it from time to time and so I'm not going to uh, necessarily say all kind things about it I will perhaps step on my own toes as well This morning, but chances are you have a child or a grandchild or a sibling or a parent that does or a friend that does use Facebook or Instagram or some other form of social media and and engages in that and you may have an ability to influence them. Consequently, And if that is not the case, I can almost guarantee you that there's going to be a principle that I'm going to talk about today that will certainly have something to do with the way that you live. And so it may not be that 100% of everything we talk about applies to you, but there will be aspects of what we talk about today that will apply. If it doesn't, I'll give you all the $100 bills that I have in my wallet presently. I don't have any with me so you're out of luck but I will apologize that there was nothing of value for you but I don't think that's going to be the case and this is a group that is so kind I I said this a week or two ago uh, to David and to me and to the uh to the others who preach from time to time you're very kind in your in your uh words to us vital observations for 21st century Christians. And so I wanna talk about what do we mean by Facebook and Instagram and social media. Facebook uh, was created in 2004, Instagram shortly thereafter, and they they are they have some similarities. Uh, some of you use one more than the other, uh, depending on your level of coolness, uh, I suppose it may be. Uh, some of us aren't as, as adept at one or the other, but it's the idea of accumulating contacts or friends or followers. And this is just simply for the benefit of someone who, who truly says, I really don't know what you're talking about. And that's okay. That Again, that doesn't make it so that you are out of touch with reality. It's just something that you're not as familiar with. And so you have followers or you have friends and you communicate with one another and you can, you can post uh, brief comments uh, or sometimes more lengthy comments and pictures and uh, different things that can be non- controversial and just uh, we We are proud to announce that we are having a child these days. Uh, Gender reveals happen all the time on social media, Uh, announcements of weddings happen, Uh, invitations to various events transpire. Sometimes it can be controversial things. It can be things that get people really riled up and uh, you actually lose friends over it. Sometimes not just electronically, but you lose real friends over things that are posted or things that are commented about. So I just uh, did uh, used media to figure out, not social media, but I used other forms of media, that you may find it interesting that about three billion people use one or the other. That number is probably a little outdated. It's probably pushing closer to four billion by this point. And if you are familiar with the population of the world, that's about half the world, maybe slightly less than half the world. In the United States, you may find it surprising that Uh, well over two thirds of Americans have some sort of an account. And again, that number may be a little bit uh, uh, conservative. And so you are going to run into people uh, that use social media. And this is a sermon that talks about the dangers of Facebook and the dangers of social media in a more general sense. But also, to put you at ease, it's gonna talk about some opportunities that are provided in the way that we use technology. And so uh, that average user, the age, has been decreasing from the 20s now to the teens, and now to preteens who now have a presence on social media. And there is something to be said for screen time limitations, and there's not not a scripture that talks about that, but uh, many of you as parents have screen time limitations for your children. Say, okay, that's that's enough in front of the iPad, that's enough in front of the TV screen, that's enough in front of the, the, the laptop, now go outside and get dirty and do something profitable with yourself, right? Um, that being said, there is profit that can be gained from these particular things. Let me say just a couple of things about technology at the outset before we get into Proverbs chapter six, and that is some uh, would make the argument that with any technology like Facebook or social media or Instagram or whatever form you use, uh, I don't, I think I don't think it's called, I don't think it's called Twitter anymore. I think it's called. And that's X, right? Okay. Which is interesting. Now, they always say formally known as, so I guess it will always be known as. Uh, Some would say, well, no Christian should be involved in it. And if you are a child of God, you shouldn't have any presence at all. And I would respect someone who has that particular point of view uh, and probably wouldn't be argumentative because one, that's just not my style uh, on issues like this. But I do wanna say just a couple of things. Uh, In the early 1900s, which is long before anybody that has lived uh, in this particular audience, uh, there were motion pictures, picture shows movie theaters that were coming about and your grandparents or great grandparents, as the case may be, have said, don't go there at all. That's a dangerous place for a Christian to go. And we're at a point now where I think most of us understand that there isn't a lot of good stuff out there a lot of times in the movie theater, but from time to time there's something wholesome or something that is interesting to see and it's it's not inherently wrong for you to go see a picture in a movie theater. Uh, in the 1950s and 60s. Now we're getting a little bit more in the uh, region of some who are present. uh, New teen music or new teen shows that are about, those are just inappropriate things. We need to be listening to music from the 30s and the 40s. That's what's appropriate to be engaged in. By the time color TV came about, now we've entered a new section of media. And certainly, uh, in the lifetime of uh, those who are contemporaries of me and a little bit younger than me, uh, and certainly older, the personal computer, the internet, and we shouldn't have any sort of relationship with that. You can, some of you recall back in the 90s when the internet was really taking off, that there was real concern about Christians uh, engaging in the use of it. Uh, Now, I didn't run the statistics, but the vast majority of people who are present here have some sort of presence on the internet or the usage thereof to gain information uh, and to get information. And very rarely, I'm not sure the last time anyone has ever given me directions to their house. Although I was at a place in Putnam County just a few weeks ago for a gospel meeting, and someone said, the last two gospel meeting preachers got lost coming to our house. You're going to be the third. So he gave me explicit instructions. I did not get lost. When it comes to being at a place for, for supper on time, I do not get lost. The fact is, is for every advancement in technology, going back to the printing press, going back to things that are well before the lives of our great, great grandparents, there is an opportunity for good to happen. And there's an opportunity for evil to transpire. And I'm submitting to you my my thesis statement is, is that when it comes to Facebook, when it comes to Instagram, when it comes to social media, that there are some serious dangers that we need to be aware of. But for those of you that say, wait a minute, I use it for good, just give me 15 minutes, and I promise in the second half of our study, we'll get there. I wanna start with the passage that our brother Roger read for us in Proverbs 24, but I wanna go back to Proverbs chapter six, and that is one of the greatest dangers of Facebook or social media or the internet in general is a lot of wasted time. There's a lot to be said in the Bible about using our time wisely and investing our time in good usage of time. So in Proverbs chapter 6, one of the most familiar passages says, go to the ant, you sluggard. And the point that the author here, Solomon, is making is you look at an ant, and an ant is never uh, drinking its coffee, not that it's wrong to drink coffee or it's Coke Zero, whatever the case may be, uh, and just lounging around, but he or she is always at work, always busy preparing, always busy being industrious, And so in verse 9, he kind of asks this rhetorical question. How long will you slumber or rest or lie down or be lazy, you sluggard or lazy man? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Similarly, just what Roger read for us just a few moments ago. Staying in the book of Proverbs chapter 18, And in verse 9, we need to be aware of how we use our time. But in Proverbs chapter 18, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great destroyer. And I'm convinced that if you've had any job, and and most of us have had some sort of a job in our lives. It may have been a part-time job as a teenager. Uh, It may be a job that you have now. It may be one that you've retired from. You've had someone in your workplace or in your cubicle zone, or on your team <laughs> these days, who just doesn't pull his or her weight, and it drives you crazy that, that person is slothful and lazy and not industrious, and you're trying to do your job the best you can because, number one, that's the person you are, but number two, you're a Christian. And you have to deal with someone who is lazy, and it's, it's the idea here, it seems to me, of the great destroyer, as referenced in verse nine. Brother Roger read first Proverbs 24 verses 30 through 34 where it talked about a lazy man and the Apostle Paul would write to the church at Ephesus in chapter five and verse 16. He says, I want you to walk circumspectly or in a careful way, verse 15, not as fools, but as wise. And I want you to redeem the time because the days are evil. And so those are just four very quick passages that we spend all of about three minutes talking about that tell us that a Christian, a saint, has got to be careful with the way that he or she uses their time. So if a Christian spends hours and hours and hours on social media each day, what does that say? Not necessarily a automatic bad thing but the way that the internet works and the pop-ups work and that social media works is it seems to me that the advertisers and satan who will take a hold of posts is will do everything that they can and he can to distract you from your goal i'll be the first to admit that i'm stepping on my toes today and that there are times where I'll be scrolling through, maybe uh, have a few moments at a doctor's office or maybe I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for some other thing to transpire and I went on to look for some, to research and to look at one particular thing and then 30 minutes later, I'm like, why was I here in the first place? And I see heads nodding such that I'm not the only one who's guilty of doing that with social media or with the internet or with Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case may be. I'm not suggesting that Uh, there is a appropriate amount of time to be on social media or to be looking at a screen during a day. That's for you and your family to decide and you have to do what works best for you. But let's just use a gross exaggeration that if you spend six hours of the day, which is probably a good part of your waking hours on Facebook or Instagram, what if you were just to cut that in half? and spend three hours. What could you do with the other three hours? And I'm using these broad numbers just to illustrate the point. Obviously in that three hours, you could do what Shane talked about and say, okay, I'm gonna take 30 minutes and write out four notes to shut-ins. I'm gonna take another 30 minutes and I'm gonna study my Bible more so today than I did last week. And again, the, the, the options are just absolutely limitless with that additional three hours or whatever time that you use. And by the way, you will look at your, well, no one, well, you look at the clock on your phone, right? Some of us wear watches from time to time. And you say, how did I just, where did that hour and a half go that I was looking online? We've gotta be careful about the way we use our time and the example of how we use that time. Let me suggest to you, secondly, that there is, on the internet, with social media and just regular media, too much corrupt communication. Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, X uh, is a prime venue for bad language and degrading talk, where rather than building someone up, you are actually tearing them down. And of course, the verse that I'm thinking about is one of my favorite verses that I was told to memorize uh, some 25 years ago as a very, very young preacher. And I was working with uh, a couple who were married And here I am in my early 20s, not married, and I was trying to help them with some principles. And so I recruited, some help and I said, Skip, I need help. So Skip came and helped me and he says, take him to Ephesians 4:29 and memorize Ephesians 4:29. Let no corrupt word or no corrupt communication come out of your mouth except that which is good that it might impart grace to the hearers depending on the version from which you're reading. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. It's what the grade school teachers taught us or our parents would instill in us, but don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Only say things that would impart grace to the hearers To the listener, Christians have got to be aware of the company that surrounds us. And so that's true in a very literal sense. And again, most of us as young uh, children, if you were raised in a Bible class environment or in a godly household, memorize 1 Corinthians 15, where it says, Evil company corrupts good habits or good morals. Incidentally, good company enhances those good morals or good habits. That's true literally and three generations ago they didn't have to worry about social media influences now we do have to concern ourselves with that and that if you are constantly reading people that are bickering and arguing more on that in just a moment or tearing others down or using poor language and that's all you see all day long it will have the tendency to rub off on you at least in your attitude. And so we've got to be cautious about that. And let me also go and say, because for those of you that are familiar with Facebook or the idea of sharing or the idea of following, don't follow, don't like corrupt communication. One of the verses that I'll use at least twice today is 1 Thessalonians chapter five and verse 22, because I think it's appropriate for the point that we're trying to make here. But he says, abstain from every form of evil. So well, I, I didn't engage in that corrupt communication, but you gave it a thumbs up or you followed it or you tagged it or you hashtagged it, whatever the case may be, or you retweeted it. Well, I didn't say it but you're condoning it and you want to abstain from every form of evil. There have been Christians who I know, including some in this group today, who again have lost friends virtually or otherwise as a result of the various things that have been posted on the internet. Let me suggest you a third thing that is not necessarily a pleasant thing to talk about but it is one that we need to be aware of. I did a sermon uh, maybe about a year and a half ago on the subject of modesty and immodesty, but we've gotta be cautious because these days you can post virtually anything you want and no one will bat an eye. No one that is not a Christian will bat an eye. And so I put up here as a third of the four dangers that I'm gonna talk about this morning, immodesty treated as normal. You and I cannot control what other people wear and don't wear. We would like that to be the case, but that's not the way that it is. Uh, I, I have made a, a joke before about how sometimes we wish that we as individuals had control over other people's lives to be able to uh, activate their good behavior and turn off their bad behavior. But we don't have that power. We don't have that luxury. God did not give us that power in our lives. The fact is, is social media is a major venue for images. Pictures it's also a prime place for a display of immodest clothing And it doesn't have to be in an environment where you would expect immodest clothing You can have pictures of people at school people going to school you can have pictures of people who are just on vacation somewhere and something is posted and you're scrolling through and because uh, of the way that we are wired as humans, you see something that looks out of place, you end up looking at it, at least for a split second. You say, wait a minute, I can't be looking at this. And it may be because it's something immodest, it may be because it's corrupt communication, it maybe because it's bad language, that kind of thing will get your attention. And so in First Timothy chapter two and verse nine, the verse that it, we always and rightfully so turn to, It says that women, and this would go for men as well, uh, and, and incidentally, I will share this point. I, I hadn't planned to share this point, but I was thinking about this. Uh, I did a sermon maybe a year and a half ago on, on this more broad subject of, of modesty and and shamefacedness and making sure that we are appropriate, and, and I spent... Uh, probably a good 80% really going after, going after, it sounds harsh, but really focusing on the way that women dress. And I had uh, uh, at least two uh, sisters in Christ come to me and say, that's fine that you do that, but when we see a man who's dressed in modesty, in, in an immodest way, the old adage is, is that, oh, we can control ourselves as women a whole lot better than men. They confessed, not so, we struggle with it as well. I thought that's a good point, and so I, I made a point in that sermon. If I ever preach that again, make sure I talk about that as well. So I say that because in 2 Timothy chapter two and verse twenty-two, uh, I didn't finish reading here. He says, "Women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but in a manner that is professing godliness with good works." That was First Timothy chapter two, and uh, we're not going to go through and and uh, do a full. Uh, expository sermon just on that particular passage, but drop down to the second letter, the last likely letter that Paul would write. And so he's giving his last piece of advice, and he says, flee also youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. There in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. So let me make three should statements or should not statements. And the first is one that was the heart of that sermon maybe 18 months ago. And that is, we as Christians shouldn't dress in an immodest way. I think we all understand that. And it's hard sometimes. And uh, I, I, do not, um, I do not envy uh, parents today bringing up children Uh, in the sense that they've got to make those tough decisions and have those tough conversations. I mean, I do envy you in the sense that I appreciate what you're doing. And this is a group that seems to really appreciate that. But in in general, can you imagine, especially if you've come up in a world void of any teachings of modesty, and then you become a Christian, you have to change the way that you dress and change the way that your children dress. That's that's huge for certain people. Uh, And so sometimes we take that for granted because we grew up on a pew Uh, We grew up listening to these things and hearing about modesty and immodesty. So I think we all agree on that. But secondly, Christians shouldn't post pictures of immodesty. You may say, well, no one's gonna see it. Well, the moment that you post it, now it's gonna be seen. And let me suggest to you, thirdly, that when you see something, you cannot control what someone else posts. You can unfriend them, you can not follow them, you can do that that, that's a choice that you make, and that may be a choice that you need to make. But Christians shouldn't like or give a thumbs up or tag on to pictures that are inappropriate. And you may say, well, but that's, that's my friend. If I don't, they may get their feelings hurt that I, that I didn't comment. Hey, your, your daughter looks great going to school today, or your, your, your sister uh, really looks like she's happy today, or whatever the case may be. Sometimes saying nothing is the most powerful thing at all. I'm not saying you can't say something of a negative and, and call them out and say, but sometimes saying nothing will speak volumes. And then the fourth thing, and I kind of highlighted this just a moment or so ago, that when it comes to Facebook, when it comes to Instagram, when it comes to posts, there's a lot of quarrelsome behaviors. And having a disagreement uh, and having a discussion and having a debate is not a bad thing. In fact, that's the point that I made the kind of caveat here, that it's appropriate to have difficult conversations with people, especially about spiritual things. And we have a number of members who use social media to try and teach. And invariably, there are some quarrels that come up. That's not necessarily where I think the scriptures were going to and what I'm talking about. And so we should be cautious. And let me share with you two Old Testament passages, again, going back to the book of Proverbs, and two passages, again, that Paul uses with timothy so i want to go back to proverbs chapter 17 and these are passages that are likely familiar and in fact are given the the way that proverbs is written uh, are repeated at least a couple of times in the text and so in chapter 17 he says the beginning of strife is like releasing water therefore this is proverbs 17 verse 4 14 therefore stop contention before a quarrel starts Anybody can start an argument or throw a proverbial hand grenade into a conversation and then walk away, but it takes skill, wisdom. Sometimes it's going to take some guts to say we're not going to have this discussion, or I'm not going to participate. Sometimes saying I'm just I'm I'm not I'm not going there. I'm not talking about uh, a refusal to defend the truth, but there are things that people argue over on social media that is just absolutely, it seems to me, if I can be very frank, a colossal waste of energy and time. And again, we could be using that energy and time to be doing good things, including, as we'll talk in our final three points in the final 15 minutes of our study, including on social media. Jump over just a page or two in your Bibles to Proverbs 20. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Doesn't take much talent to start an argument or start a disagreement. Um, But we've got to be the people that say, I don't want that. That's not good. And I know that that is not good, not only because of what Solomon said, but because of what the Holy Spirit also communicated through the pen of Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In chapter 2, we looked at a few moments ago, but in chapter 3, verse 3, he says, in regards to shepherds, overseers, and bishops, that they are not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, and not to be quarrelsome. Now, again, based on what is written in Titus chapter one, a, an elder has to be able to convict those who contradict. But there's a difference between standing up for what is right and just being a quarrelsome person. I have met people, and I know you have too, that it seems to me their entire life is uh, fueled by wanting to fight and argue and quarrel and to always be right. And it doesn't matter what the subject is. And those are people that also in your workplace will drive you crazy and say to your manager, can I get on a new team? Can you move me somewhere else? Because this is just too much. And Paul would write to Timothy in the subsequent letter, and he said in chapter 2 and verse 23, he says, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Has anyone ever in the, in, in the, in the course of the last 20 years of social media uh, been involved in a foolish and ignorant dispute? Well, of course. A good deal of it has transpired on social media, knowing that they generate strife. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and be patient. So if you are a, what I'm calling a disagreeable Christian, a quarrelsome saint, how are you going to attract non-Christians to Christ if you are just participating in the same kinds of uh, crazy talk that's out there that goes on on subjects that don't matter? You can have political opinions. Some of us have some that are stronger than others. You can have opinions about uh, various social events going on, but you've got to make sure that you temper that with the sense of, I'm not gonna be quarrelsome, I'm gonna be kind, and I'm going to be considerate in the way that I do so. Let me uh, conclude in these last 10, I said 15 minutes, but last 10 to 15 minutes by just talking about some opportunities that come with social media some of which are utilized by members of this church. And I appreciate that so very much because you see a lot of uh, garbage, and but then you see some that's refreshing. And one of the blessings of, of, of preaching and being a preacher is that not all, Uh, but there are a number of preachers who are friends of mine on social media and I get to see what they post I get to see what sermons they're doing. I get to see a bible class They've engaged in. I get to see passages that they've just come across that uh, and Uh Some of you will know what i'm talking about You have beautiful passages that are then put up with beautiful landscape and beautiful words and it's just kind of It just kind of relaxes you a little bit when you see that. Okay, good There are people out there that are still sane and trying to do what the Lord wants us to do. Let me say to you uh, just two or three things here before we close. Number one, uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever the case may be, is a simple way to invite people uh, to Christianity, to study with you, invite them to services, uh, to say, uh, I'm talking about uh, Bible things. After all, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and following, verses 18, 19, and 20 is this great commission. Go into all the world preach the gospel. Might I step on my toes and your toes a little bit here for just a moment. If you have been a user of social media for, let's say, a 12-month period or more, which is a lot of people, and you have never posted something spiritual, something's not right. I can't can't find a passage that proves that. But you get the point that I'm making? In a 12-month period, You can't slide in something spiritual to make your friends think a little bit differently. It may not make a big impact, but it may make some impact. So you can talk about sports, and you can talk about politics, and you can talk about vacation spots, and you can talk about job promotions, and those are great things to talk about. But at some point, use it to say something spiritual or post something spiritual. See the first word? In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says, but go. And so I would just say, go. Log on to your social media. Go log on and post something profitable. Follow the example of John chapter 1, verse 46, when it says, come and see. Come and see something else. By the way, let me ask you this, and again, I'm stepping on some toes here, I know. Do your friends or followers know that you're a Christian? Or is that a mystery to them in the social media world? If it's a mystery, maybe it's pause to think about the way that you're using your social media. And you can use it a little more effectively for good purposes. Number two, let me suggest to you that these days there is no excuse for not knowing about what should I pray for? What should I pray about? And whom should I pray for? Facebook, Instagram, and the X, the Twitter, is a great way to request prayers of brethren and also to know of things you can be praying about. I don't have to convince you, though I'm gonna put up two passages here very quickly about the importance of prayer. Pray without ceasing. Paul would say to the church at Thessalonica. In the early part of his letter to the Philippians, uh, Paul speaks of the importance of, I'm praying for you and I want you to pray for me. James 5 is the is the quintessential passage that says, if you're suffering, pray. If you have issues, pray. If it, it, When it's going well in your life, pray. And so let me also go a little bit further with a point that I've really been trying to make over the last dozen years, and that is, We need to do a better job collectively as Christians, in my opinion, of telling our friends that you're gonna pray for them and then fulfilling that particular pledge. And I think, as I've said from this pulpit before, we are sometimes reluctant to do so because it seems like we're bragging. Hey, I want you to know I prayed for you last week. You can send them a private message, you could uh, uh, send them a message through Instagram, you could uh, send them a text message or just tell them in person. Uh, like the good old days, Uh, but I just want you to know I prayed for you. How encouraging it is not only to be prayed for and about, but to know that others are in the process of praying for you in your difficulty. And we have in our midst today, a host of people who have lots of things going on in their lives. We have members who are struggling financially. We have members who are struggling because of uh, illness We have people who are here at this very moment and they don't feel well, but they're still here. We have people who are watching today, as Brother Shane pointed out, that would would give anything if they could be here, but they just physically can't be here. And we can pray for them and let them know, electronically or otherwise, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. Let me suggest to you thirdly, that Facebook, Instagram, and social media are great ways to bring glory to God. Now, this is certainly true with the example that you set and the things that you don't do. Go back to the first four points that I made. But let me share with you one final passage that I came across that is a little bit more obscure, one that we don't look at as much. But uh, Brother Jonathan has been taking us through the book of Jeremiah over the last uh, couple of weeks. But I want to go back to the book of Jeremiah and suggest that we become social media Jeremiah's. If you use social media, be a Jeremiah. You may say, wait a minute, I don't remember everything about Jeremiah, but didn't he get himself in trouble? Yes, he did. Might you get yourself in trouble on Facebook or Instagram? You might. Might I lose some friends and have people look at me kind of funny? You probably will. But look, if you would, in Jeremiah chapter 20, and we're gonna read just three verses here at the close of our study together this morning. In Jeremiah chapter 20, and in my Bible, I'm reading from a Bible that, like many of you have, is not only English, uh, but it's edited such that it has paragraphs. And there's an inserted uh, little three to four word uh, title of that section. And those are sometimes helpful, and sometimes they're a little bit distracting, but mine says, Jeremiah's unpopular teaching, or his unpopular ministry. So read with me verses seven through nine. O Lord... You induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I, and I have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. If I understand what Jeremiah is saying here is he's saying, there's a part of me that knows I'm going to be a little bit, um, I'm going to take some some uh, liberality here into the 21st century. Jeremiah says, when I log on, I know that if I put this message in about destruction for doing, I idolatrous things, I know that I'm going to have people scathing at me and saying, this guy is a false teacher and this guy is a judgmental character. I know the moment I hit send or post, Jeremiah said, that's going to happen. He said, but I have to. It's like, it's bursting out of my heart, bursting out of my bones. I have to communicate this message because after all, it is the good news. We have the greatest news of all humanity. And think of it, Think of it if if sometime in the next three months, in the close of 2023, finally there's a cure for cancer. And the world, can you imagine what the world would do? I mean, if there's a, a real cure. The greatest news in this century would be on the news, but that would not be true. The greatest news is a cure for sin. And we have that information and we have the opportunity of sharing that with one another as we go to work and do things in a very literal, physical, uh, three-dimensional way. But We also have the opportunity of doing that electronically. Maybe we can do that a little bit better. I'm not saying go out there and, and say something that's just going to just uh, completely obliterate the world in the sense that you're going to lose all your friends. Maybe there's tact that can be used and maybe there's a kindness and you speak with grace but sometimes saying difficult things. I know of one of our members, uh, and you know who I'm talking about, who's not present with us this morning. He'd love to be. But uh, he has a lot of people that don't agree with the things that he says because he's engaging social media for the purpose of sharing the gospel message. And if you lose friends, you lose friends. But at least you might gain someone to the cause. So let me just suggest to you uh, three very simple things here as we close. And that is one, why not post a scripture that you recently read? Just sometimes, you don't have to comment on it. You may say, I, I was recently studying my Bible and I read this verse and I thought it was helpful. I'll leave it at that. It may be that 85% of your friends and followers are Christians. But that uh, That additional 10, 15, 20%, whatever's left, Most of us have friends and followers who are not Christians and we have the opportunity to teach. Why not post a picture, and some of you have done this, of you and your family um, after church services and say, we had a great encouraging day in hashtag, the preaching was excellent. No, but in all seriousness, why not post something and say, it was a great day, worshiping God We talked today about this passage, which I think is really important. And why not share something you heard in a sermon that encouraged you with your friends? You are going to hear something. uh, Maybe not every week, at least, uh, but you will hear on a routine basis, whether it be from me or David or someone else that's uh, taking advantage of the opportunity to preach it. That was a great point. That was something I hadn't thought about before. And you can post that and share that. What a great use of social media to do those things. Again, let me close with the caveat that I uh, provided at the outset. You may not use social media, and that's okay. Uh, In some ways, uh, as we talked about in the first half of our study, you may be better for it, but you know of someone who does. And you also can benefit from the teachings of Proverbs and Paul's letters to Timothy and the other passages that we looked at in the course of our study together today. Technology is neither good nor evil. Just as one of my sisters wrote to me this week, uh, transportation is neither good nor evil. But if you use it to harm someone, then it's evil, right? And I appreciate that point that she made. Social media is there and it's not gonna go away. And the three to three and a half billion people in a year from now will be close to four. And that number is gonna continue to grow. And we're not gonna stop that. Why not use it for good to bring glory to God to let our lights shine? It may be that this morning you're thinking, I need to make some changes in my social media profile. Do so. It may mean that you need to post more spiritual things and less carnal things. Fine. It may mean you need to take an exodus for a while because you can't control the time that you spend on it. So take a a two month break or whatever the case may be. You've gotta make those decisions for yourself. It may be that has nothing to do with social media or media in general, you say, I just need to make sure that I'm careful with the way that I use my time in a general sense. And if we can help you, we would welcome the opportunity to assist you. If you are a Christian, you need to make some sort of correction in your life, we'd be so happy to try and help you because as I mentioned, uh, we're all just trying to get to heaven together. Uh, and help each other in that process. If we can help you uh, to become a Christian, to have your sins washed away in baptism, what a wonderful way to start the week. And we would be um, so elated to witness that. But if you wanna study some more, we'd be happy to do so. Let us know while we stand while we sing.